Hi, welcome to episode 27 of the Woke-ish podcast. This is Ebony. And this is Zama. And we wanted to open up by just being totally transparent and saying that we are very tired today. Yeah. Um, we're like doing, we're playing like yawn tag. So uh-huh. it's like one of us yawns and the other one yawns. But we're going to still try to keep the episode pretty high energy. And so the the topic for this week's episode is the A word. Yeah. And by the time you, once you get to the um, what's being slept on segment, you will get it. But we wanted to keep it pretty, uh, you know, we wanted to keep you guessing. Yeah. Get uh, you invested before yes. you to you. Yes. And we hope that you, actually, you know, we got some new listeners, so I wanted to say welcome to y'all. Don't know who y'all are, but happy to have you, and we are, of course, happy to have our faithful listeners. Did we get more plays, or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the people that have been here since episode one, we love you. The people that are just joining us today or last week or whatever, we love you too. Those who have joined us recently but have gone back to listen to earlier episodes, <laughs> we especially love you. <laughs> yes. Okay, so we're going to dive right in with our shout-out segment. Yes. And so the first shout-out I wanted to give was to my sister, Anna, who was promoted to clinical training manager. And the reason this is a big deal is because she's technically an LPC intern. So that means that she graduated with her master's in counseling. She took the exam and passed. But you have to do a 1,000 supervised hours. And she's like a little over halfway done. And so technically, she's considered an intern. So she would normally not be able to get a job that requires a fully like licensed and person who's like done with every 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 step of the process but they're giving that job to her which is really awesome and uh, because she's so good at what she does and she like reports to one person so she reports to the vice president of like uh, wow, so she's a she's in a nonprofit and she's going to be supervising a team of 10 people and overseeing the entire clinical training department so she's going to be like the boss of people who technically have you know, are finished with their degrees and mm-hmm. so like they're, they should be higher ranked than her. Yeah. But yeah, she's really excited about it. It was really cool because she knew the person who had the job before and she was worried that it would just be too overwhelming because it's, it's a, it's a lot to be a supervisor, but also to supervise 10 people. She said that she kind of negotiated. So she has like an administrative assistant. Oh, wow. She has another person helping her with like special tasks. And she, like, uh, is getting a raise. Wow, so, good for her. Yeah, so shout out to her. Really, you know, really proud of her, not only because she's my sister, but because, you know, she's able to just do this already with not even having completed, like, all the criteria for an LPC. Yeah. So shout outs to her. Good luck on her new job. And hopefully, you know, she uh, she's a little, like, scared because it's a lot i mean it's a lot of responsibility but i think she can do it yeah yeah Yeah. she's teaching her hustling ways (laughs) i know right yeah okay so we also wanted to give a shout out to all the women and people of color who um, are running for office in this midterm season as well as all the people who have contributed to making this the highest uh voter turnout for early registration i think in history yeah um yeah, and so everybody, like, people have been really uh, eager about getting out and voting, 
And we are very happy to see that. And we want to continue to encourage people to get out there and vote and to encourage their people to get out and vote Mm -hmm. um, so that we can get the people in office that will make the changes that we want to see. Yes. So Election Day is November 6th. But for many states, uh, early voting has started. So check out your state. Uh, for early voting, you can vote anywhere. So it's a lot more convenient. But I think a lot of the polling places close pretty early during early voting. But if you're one of those people like me that might like I get get tend to be really busy and you postpone and you're like no I'll make it in the lines will be really yeah, long on yeah. November 6th yeah. so even if you go early yes long. so if you are trying to you know say oh I'll leave even though your work is technically supposed to allow you to vote but we all know we have some of us have jobs where like people aren't really that understanding so if you're trying to squeeze it in your lunch break or take a 30 minute break like don't put yourself in a situation where you're forced not to, you know, cast your vote because you have to go back to work. So definitely try to go early yeah. so that you can just, um, yeah. yeah, get it done and avoid the large crowds, do it at a more convenient time and just get informed. And there's lots of good resources online. Um, you know, we did a recently a couple weeks ago, a podcast about midterm elections where mm-hmm. we talked about where you can get information. So listen to that if you, you know, want to get more resources. But yeah. yes, and just Google, Google things that you don't know. Yeah. Like if you look to see earlier this week um, after Zelma voted, she was telling me about um, this proposition that I wasn't aware of and like what it means and all that. And so it's like you want to. If you're like me, in the past, when I voted on propositions, I just go to the ones that my the person that I'm voting for seems to agree with, mm-hmm. you know? And so that may or may not be effective. If you have the opportunity, like if, if, if all else fails and you have to do that, then okay. But if you have the opportunity in advance to get informed about what the propositions are so that you can make sure that you don't, you know, like you don't see a proposition pass and you're like, oh my God, I voted wrong on that Mm -hmm. you know like just make sure that you're doing your due diligence and just googling on your spare time you know like what are the propositions that are going to be on the ballot this yeah you know this election yeah um yeah okay so now we'll jump into our in the know segment yeah so continuing with talking about early voting early voting has begun in lots of states if you've been following social media or news, you kind of see some particular states being highlighted, like Florida, Georgia, Texas. And so I wanted to just kind of like talk through some of the things that you may be listening to and hearing. That way we can just like not freak out because although turnout has surged among Republicans, Democrats, and independents, so among all three of these parties, there's been an increase of people who are participating in the midterm voting in midterm elections. According to poll data, lots of people are saying that we could be looking at a turnout rate that virtually no one has ever experienced. So this is good. But because of this, there's lots of information coming out about people trying to interpret and predict who these people are voting for. And I think that this was an issue in the 2016 election with Trump where everyone was very dead set on Hillary's going to win. She's doing so well. She's like outpacing Trump. And I think we learned that um, the, the polling data wasn't accurate. And we learned later that it's because when people 
the way that they get information about who you vote for is they ask you. So they'll call you or they'll text you or you'll they'll ask you, they'll send you a survey online and they'll say, who did you vote for? What is your political affiliation? Who did you vote for? And in the 2016 election, we realized that people were lying about voting for Trump. So they said that they didn't vote for him, but they did. And so early, fo- early voting figures gathering from state and local elections are being analyzed using computer models. Um, and they're saying uh, using publicly available information like age, race or party registration. So this is something that you can get from the voter registration. It's public public record. So whenever you register to vote, you register with the party. And that's important because for primaries, you can only vote for the party that you're registered for. So if you are a registered Democrat, you'll vote for the Democratic nominees in the primaries. If you're a registered Republican, you can only vote for the Republican nominee in the primaries. So this is deciding who will actually run in the elections. So they're using this information to try to guess at who people are voting for. And so a lot of people, I was reading a lot of articles that said that registered Republicans were outpacing registered Democrats in voting. So more people who are registered Republicans are voting than people who are registered Democrats. And so some people were jumping to the conclusion that this must mean that Republicans are going to win because the registered Republicans, more of them are voting uh, so far. But I was speaking to my advisor about this because I, you know, my advisor is like a huge stats person and we're talking about just assumptions and interpreting data and what can be some of the errors that people make. And so um, analysis of early voting figures are missing the crucial, ev- missing crucial evidence. And that's that we don't actually know how people voted. So this could be like 2016 where people are just like you, you can't make assumptions about. So maybe it, it, it might be that Republicans are not voting Republican. And so maybe there's more of them voting because they don't want to vote for the Republican person. Or maybe they are voting for the Republican person. But it's just like after 2016, we have to keep in mind that not everyone who is a registered, say, Democrat, votes for Democratic candidates. And I think even this was even something for me. Like, I'm a registered Democrat, but for some elected officials, there was no Democrat option. And so I voted for the independent option. And I didn't vote Republican. And so just because you're registered in one political party doesn't mean that that's how you're voting for every official. So maybe you do vote for the Republican governor, but maybe you don't vote for the Republican senator. And so I think that people now are not as, maybe people who are closer to our age aren't as stuck to like, are more disillusioned about party affiliation Uh and are not like, I'm a Democrat, everything Democrat, um, as like maybe older people are who are like, I'm going to vote straight party ticket. And so as you guys are listening to the art news articles, I know I got super scared when I saw that, you know, with all the hype about all these cool Democrats kind of surging in the polls and, pe- you know, all these videos of people like really backing up um, Democrats because I'm a, I'm a Democrat. I was really sad to see that where I lived, there was more Republicans, like a lot more Republicans uh, early voting than Democrats, which didn't make sense because everywhere I looked, all I saw were Democrats voting. And so just be aware that just because these numbers are coming in, we really won't know until election day when they count up everything. And so when you see surveys or when you see articles, one, think, how are they getting this data? 
Is it that they're calling people and asking them who they voted for? Or two, remember that just because someone is registered with one party doesn't mean that that's who they're going to vote for. And that's what we learned um, in the past couple of elections with a lot of quote-unquote underdogs winning elections that people weren't expecting. So just keep that in mind. Don't lose hope, but it's really important to go out and vote. Election day is November 6th, but you can vote early. I think it's a really great sign that we have such high turn voter turnout for not only midterm elections, but early voting. But I really think that it's going to come down to like every last vote. And so wherever you live, go out and vote. Be Try to be as informed as you can. But really, you know, it's voting is so important. And it's not just voting for the president, but voting for your judge. I mean, I voted for lots of judges. And I remember I used to vote for people just because I liked their name. Like, for real. Like, I had no clue. I might be like, oh, Hispanic last name. Let me vote for this person. But now, like, I really pay more attention. And I'm like, no, this is really important. And then getting informed about the propositions that are being passed in our city. And all that impacts you. And so just take the time to get on the internet, Google some articles about pros and cons, who are the main people running, who you should be looking for. If you're a Democrat, if you're a Republican, do you agree with what people are saying? And just like be smart. Yeah. 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 I think that that was a, I don't think I have anything else to add. I think that was really good summation. Mm -hmm. Okay. So our second in the no story is about another immigrant caravan is heading to the U.S. So a couple months ago, we had talked about the last immigrant caravan heading to the U.S. And so this caravan is, again, mostly from Central America, actually mostly from Honduras. And they are escaping violence, poverty, and sexual abuse. Um, actually, half are girls and women. I think there's a misconception by spread by the Trump administration that it's mostly gang members that are trying to get access into the United States. But what we're seeing, thankfully, through journalists that are actually following people in walking with them in the caravan, is that we're seeing lots of children, lots of girls, and lots of women. Mm-hmm. Um, so the United States and Mexico have been working to make the journey to the United States less appealing to Central Americans, not only by the rhetoric and narrative of the United States pushing this uh, idea that the U.S. is not welcoming to immigrants, um, also by making it harder to seek asylum, by making it harder for people to even obtain legal immigration. But in spite of that, many residents of the Northern Triangle of Central America find the prospect of eventual asylum in the U.S., however difficult it is to get there, more appealing than the insecurity that they're facing at home. Mm-hmm. And so people are my, I, I hear people all the time say, why would they come to a place that doesn't want them? And it's like, you have to, that's exactly the question. It's like, reverse it. Like, how bad must it be Mm -hmm. for you to come to a place that you know doesn't want you? Because that's, that's the best option. And so under what's, and then a lot of people are, are kind of asking like, well, why do they think that they have a right to come? And so um, just to remind everyone, under current U.S. and international law, asylum seekers from Central America are allowed to apply for asylum in either Mexico or in the United States. 
So technically, if people are escaping a dangerous situation, not just in Central America, but all over the world, because we see lots of refugees in Africa, lots of refugees in, in the Middle East, if, if people are seeking asylum, technically, because we have, we're, through being like humans and we are allowing them to seek asylum. So what that means is they can't apply for asylum. They'd have to kind of prove their case that they are safer, not in the country, uh, not in their country of origin. However, the United States doesn't want to, has already, you know, said America first. So they're kind of rejecting the stance that we've had for like a very long time. Um, I think since, I mean, think back to World War II. I mean, at least like through, uh, through our lifetime. Yeah, so yeah. That like, like, this is, what Trump is trying to do is something that no other president that we have had in our lifetimes have done. They said that, uh, since Wilson, Woodrow Wilson, yeah. like this has been, it has been, and that the U.S. was always the front runner of championing for human yeah, rights. Cause we're, we are the superpower, quote unquote, right? Yeah. And so it's yeah. like, if, if we're such a superpower, Right. And we have become a superpower on the backs of people in these countries, um, namely Central America, the Middle East. I mean, literally, not even namely all of the countries, every country we have abused. Yeah. We are like our, you know, our forefathers have abused and colonized. And I mean, every other bad word that you can think of um, in order to get to this place where we are. And so it's like we. I mean, I know that Zelma has said that, and plenty of other people have said I sound crazy. But everybody that's saying we don't have space for for we don't have space to accommodate these immigrants, it's like, well, there's a whole slew of Midwestern states where there's nobody, <laughs> there's nobody there. Yeah, <laughs> and so it's like, I mean, maybe some places are inundated, like California, New York, you know, Florida, maybe. But it's like, I mean. That's not, that's an excuse. That's an excuse. And the whole thing about, I mean, I, I've been watching the, um, on CNN, they like have been covering it and they'll do like little short interviews with some of the people. Um, and they were like, there was one guy like that like completely broke my heart. Like I was just, I mean, he left his, he left his family, his Mm -hmm. kids and he's, um, trying to, I think he said he was going to stay in Mexico City or something. So that's another thing is that not everyone wants to come to the United States. Yeah, they just want somewhere safe. Yeah, they want somewhere safe and where they can find work. And so, I mean, he, like, he, he's given up everything to Mm -hmm. do this, to be Mm -hmm. able to support his family. And how many of us Americans would be willing to move to another country for work? Yeah. Like, it took, not even just move, walk. Yeah, no, yeah. How many would be willing to walk? To, to get a job, to get a job that's gonna pay you, what, like $80 a week? Like, come on, like, we need to put these things in perspective, and I think that that's the issue, is that we, we sit on our high horse, and we judge everybody else, but it's like, what would you do in similar circumstances? Mm-hmm. Would yeah. you even be willing to, like, they, everybody, so many people in this country are, um, complaining about jobs, and job insecurity, and all of that, but, what how, what to what extent or what to what lengths have you been willing to go to get a job mm-hmm. and it's like you you're complaining because you can't get the same cushy job that you're used to or that you think that you deserve but yeah would you be willing to i don't know 
I don't know, do construction? Would you be willing to farm? Would you be willing to... All these things that you are claiming that immigrants are taking from you, would you really be willing to do them? Yeah. No, probably not. That's why you've been employed for so long. And I'm not even trying to judge those that have been employed. Technically, I'm an employee. But it's like, you know, I I mean, and, and, and also, like, I don't know what I'd be willing to do once I finish school and, like, if I can't get the kind of job that I want. Yeah. You know, like, I, but then I'm also not one of the people that are complaining about immigrants taking their jobs. So, yeah, there's that. So the U.S. or mostly like the Trump administration has enlisted Mexico to apprehend Central American migrants before they get to the U.S. So kind of putting pressure on Mexico saying, hey, you should stop them before they get here because uh, it shouldn't just be our job, which again brings this whole mm-hmm. like. Uh, I've been, you know, I'm a part of a lot of Latinx Instagram groups, mm-hmm. and there's been lots of heavy conversation about, like, the xenophobia in um, Mexico towards Central Americans, mm-hmm. and how um, there's kind of, like, this hypocrisy of Mexico saying, it's not right how they treat our Mexicans in the U.S., but then not feeling bad treating Central Americans like the United States treats yeah. Mexicans. And so the Mexico has actually brought up the armed forces and they were throwing, you know, gas and pepper spray and shooting into crowds. Just really sad to see, um, cause I'm Mexican and really sad to see kind of like the hypocrisy of, uh, that country in terms to like, you let this terrible administration like bully you make your people out as race as rapists make them out as unwanted totally belittling you and then you turn around and kiss their ass and like they tell you to jump and you jump because of what like what what more can the united states do to mexico that mexico hasn't already had to to face or endure and what help is the united states giving mexico like they're not sending any aid in terms of the fight against drugs or or anything like that and so that was really sad to see but so the just some context of this particular caravan on october 12 2018 a group of about 160 hondureños set forth from the town of san pedro sula which uh in the first half of the decade was often referred to as the murder capital of the world so it's not just like escaping it's not like they they don't like the job that they have it's like they literally are trying not to get murdered um, in hopes of arriving to present themselves for asylum in Mexico or the United States. Um, and then 75 miles and two days later, the caravan was more than 1,000 strong. And by October 15th, the, the, Ameri- the Associated Press estimated about 1,600 Hondureños had a mass at the border of Guatemala. And a lot of people are like, oh my gosh, like, why are they, um, like, this is a mob, this is a mob. And it's like, if you have never had a family member or you yourself have never attempted to migrate on foot, then you don't understand how dangerous it is. Like, you risk theft, you risk uh, sexual assault. Except they're pregnant women. Yeah, there's, and so this is actually, like, the safest way for these migrants to, to get... So when I see this caravan, I'm not like, oh my gosh, I'm scared. We're not going to lose control. I'm like, this is a way for people to be protected because there are, they're literally crossing into country, like Mexico, right? For example, Mexico has, they have a lot of different cartels 
kind of like fighting for territory. Yeah, fighting for territory. And if you, if there's two or three people, you know, walking by themselves, they're going to like try to exploit you. They're going to try to use you. They're going to try to attack you. But if you're with 1,600, you know, if it's 1,600 people, they're going to leave you alone. And so I think like this is like the, the their way of trying to be to get to their destination in the safest way and they said themselves like we want to seek asylum they're not saying we want to cross the border illegally they're, they're just saying we want to seek asylum because technically they're entitled to and so i think that it's really easy to see a, a mob of brown people and to instantly jump to they're going to take what's mine but let's just take a minute to remind everyone that immigrants... To remind you why it's yours in the first place. Why well, is it yours? <laughs> yeah. And also to remind everyone, like, immigrants cannot get access to public assistance. Immigrants cannot get access they, to welfare. Yes. Like, your like, taxes are not just going into their Yeah. Pockets. No. Um, they are in no way. Like, the people who are benefiting from your taxes are the wealthy people who got tax cuts. Like, that's who you should be angry at. Not to a group of people that are not going to benefit in any way from your taxes and will most likely contribute to the economy without getting anything in return. Yeah. And then for those people who are like, oh, but their kids are going to take advantage, but their kids are going to um, take... Uh, are going to take our jobs or, or the, oh, no, the kids are going to take the resources that we have. It's like, let's just like not forget that. I think, I think that people either do all or nothing, like either no one gets in or everyone gets in. And I think that there should be like a better, yes, I think there should be a better process in place. I'm not saying that we should just have an open border and let any, everyone go in because there does need to be some way to like, regulate to make sure that people are uh, assimilating into this country in the way that will make them the most successful, setting them up for success. Yes, I do need to make sure we, we're not letting in people who are criminals. I agree with all that. But I also think that just saying we're going to put guards with guns at the border and shoot you if you try to enter is not the, the way to do it because as we can see these people will keep coming and why because of the decades and decades of these are consequences of the historical yeah the consequences and people and i had to explain this to people as to like well why again is the u.s responsible and it's like the u.s has participated in a lot of criminal activity in Central America in order to put in people uh, that they deemed were going to be more benefiting to them in political power. So the United States would literally go to a country, engage in a little in illegal activity, engage in like helping people murder people, helping people sell drugs, helping people sell guns, helping people create civil wars so that they could have a guy that they, they thought would work. Yeah, yeah, that would work better with them. They're like, this guy would follow us, would not fight us as much. Let's put this guy in power. How can we put this guy in power? Well, let's get rid of his opponent, opponent and like be involved in like actually killing their opponent. And I don't think that people like really understand how implicated and how they do they just don't want it's i think it's really hard to admit that you know the the stuff that we have we've gotten unfairly yes yes you know yes. and i think that the only people that are really able to do that are minorities just because you know it happened to our yeah. people like our ancestors you know and so it's like 
that I think is one of the not benefits, but um, consequences, I guess, of having like a dual identity, right? So it's like mm-hmm. we're American, but we're also minorities yeah. in America. Yeah. We are also, you know, treated poorly in our own country, and so it's like we we are able to see that that like yeah with our dualism you know and that other that when i say other like white people haven't been forced to do because it's like they're american but then they're also privileged in america yeah yeah no i think that's a really good point a lot of people have been shielded and um it's like we get it but check it and yeah (laughs) yeah and then also from like my fellow mexicans like if you've been here in the country for a really long time and you're now turning your back and being like, well, they should do it the right way or like, this is too much or then I think that you should really like take like a look back and ask yourself who you sound like at this moment. And remember that it wasn't too long ago that it wasn't too long ago for me that I was in that position. And I, I always, you know, my mom and I, we always talk about how like, it's just the luck of when we came here. Yeah. because we would have left like I think in any in any life we would have left Mexico to come to this country mm-hmm. and by luck I happened to come at a, at a period where it, there it wasn't as aggressive in making sure that people were unwelcoming and so thankfully I was able to now obtain citizenship but it you know I came here illegally I wasn't always a citizen and we worked really hard to become citizens and you know I I pay taxes I do all this although I don't think that you have to kind of prove your worth as an American but because I know lots of white people who are citizens that I would not say contribute to society yeah and so as you follow this caravan follow the news just avoid trying to feed into the hype of these people are, are here for bad intentions these people are here to steal your jobs these yeah. people are here to take things from you because we have to step back and say what would cause a mom to walk thousands and thousands yeah. of miles and, with her child and that's what thing that I I've talked to a few people that didn't know that this would what caravan meant Mm -hmm. and I do think that the language can be kind of confusing because it sounds like a vehicle Um, no like they're calling it a caravan because it's a collective of people but they're walking yeah yeah yeah. they're walking and I can say that when I initially heard you know back whenever we started talking about this from the first one I was confused about that too and so I just want to make sure that everybody listening understands that like these people are walking, you know, sometimes somebody will ha- provide assistance and maybe help really elderly people in a car or they'll be pa- yeah, like I saw some people packed in a car, like people that were that had a hard time walking, mm-hmm. like older people or women that were pregnant or women that had like t- tiny children. And I know that once they get to a certain point, they're going to try to get like on a train, but like mm-hmm. not Oh, we're gonna go buy tickets yeah, yeah. to take the metro. No, this they is like jump on yeah, it's jumping on trains, like some shit you'd see in a movie. So you need to be like very aware of the lengths that people are going to to get here in order to escape violence, potentially death, um, severe, severe poverty. Not like the poverty that you think about in the United States. Yeah, yeah. So we'll definitely keep you guys updated on that. They're set to, they're estimating they will arrive at the U.S. border by mid-November. Yeah. So they're currently, they just arrived to Mexico. So 
you know, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that, but definitely, you know, keep an open mind and, um, don't just get your information from one source that kind of like frames this in a way that is meant to scare you because these people, uh, I just like, just learn more about who these people are before you jump to any assumptions. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so lastly, I guess, but not least, so you may have been hearing about these bombs. So CNN has reported that so far nine bombs, which were directed to current and former Democrat government officials, as well as media outlets, have been intercepted. Among others, pipe bombs were addressed to the Obamas, the Clintons, Representative Maxine Waters, and even the CNN headquarters. So what the media has been talking about is that, talking a lot about is that a common thread among those who were threatened is their shared history of being the center of verbal attacks uh, from the president at various times. So, you know, Trump has been very consistent with publicly degradating, like, just any and everybody who he sees as a potential, um, I don't, I don't even want to call it opponent, but anybody that has anything negative to say about him, he has gone on and on at rallies, called the names, tweeted, and, you know, all of these things. And so it's like, if you, I mean, I kind of, I do blame him like a lot of other people have because I think that he has incited a lot of, a lot of, a lot of violence among his base who he, who a lot of them he knows are just explicit racists, you know, like Mm -hmm. the KKK, you know, so I mean, I'm not saying that the KKK did this. I don't know who did this, but it's not surprising that someone who follows him has done this. And I think I even saw one of the pipe bombs, like they had, they put his face on it. I think so. It's like they're being very, you know, loud about Mm -hmm. how they're handling, how they're going about this. So while Trump and the first lady publicly denounced this violence against the government officials, he essentially said that CNN deserved it. Mm -hmm. So he blamed the quote unquote fake news media on Thursday for causing a very big part of the anger we see in our society, basically insinuating that they brought this on themselves. And, you know, in a in a really um, passionate kind of interview, Don Lemon, you know, just said that F the president, like he's done with him. <laughs> I don't think he was ever starting with him mm-hmm. in the first place. But, you know, it's just, it's outrageous. It's outrageous that you, I mean, in a way are condoning attacks against, the free press. Yeah. Because they said negative things about you. Yeah. And it's like, dude, like, no, that's not something that's, you, you don't die over that because you said negative things about the president. Like, mm-hmm. that, no, that's not right. And so, I, I mean, and, and it's like, if there are continued attacks against media outlets, can we hold him accountable now for saying that, like, oh yeah, like they, you know, they, it's their fault. So it's like, okay, if they're attacked again, like, you gave the go-ahead, basically, yeah, yeah. to it's, your clan. Of yeah, support. especially given the context of that murdered Washington Post um, Saudi in Saudi uh, oh, yeah, reporter yeah, yeah. and journalist in Saudi Arabia. Yeah. It's like, you know, journalists are for real, like, being murdered, yeah. and this is an attempt to murder people from the press. You know, a couple weeks ago, we saw that shooting in another newspaper. Yeah, um, yeah. And so it's just kind of like, 
Uh, he's just such a terrible person. Just, I really like. There's <laughs> just, just no other way I to just cut like, it. Just, yeah. I, I spoke to an older person today after I watched the movie, and we were just talking. We ended up talk, talking politics. Oh, there at the. Uh-huh. And yeah. one of the things he said, he was like, "This country has just gotten so bad." He's like, "You know what? I feel sorry for you guys. I'm really sorry." For the and young like, people? yeah, and, so, and like he apologized to me. He was like, "I'm sorry. Like our country wasn't like this." And it was just kind yeah, of like, yeah, and I was just kind of, and he was just kind of like, he said, I'm glad I'm old. And it was just kind of a, a realization that like, man, we, that's why we need to vote. Like we can't let these people just make decisions that are going to impact us yeah. when they can just like, and you may have seen that like satirical video oh, yeah, going yeah, around yeah. with the old people. And it's yeah. like, that's real. That's true. Like yeah. they're joking, but it's real. It's like, we, they don't care about us because they don't have to. Yeah. They don't have to. It's like, no, we want to make, they want to make the country as good as possible for the rest of their life. Yeah. And it's like, whatever y'all, whatever happens to y'all is what happens to y'all. So no, yeah, we need to, we need to do better. We need to look out for ourselves. Yeah, yeah. If this is not the country that you want to see, then you really need to do, do something about it. And how can you do something about it? Voting. Like, that's one way. Voting is serious. It's like, you know, if you can't be an activist, if you can't, protest if you can't do any of those things what you can do is take one day out of your life to go to the voting polls and vote for someone that you think will not contribute to this type of political atmosphere that we currently have which is one in which a crazy white man is literally making decisions and saying things and maybe 20 percent of people in the united states are backing him up but it's like 80% of us are like, fuck this. And yeah. so we need to go out and show the 20% that, you know, you were the, you were a minority for a reason. <laughs> like, yeah. Don't ignore it. Don't ignore it. Don't just think like, oh, okay, I'm just gonna, you know, like I'm just gonna turn my TV off or sign yeah, off Twitter yeah, yeah. or whatever. It's like, no, we, you gotta, you got, I mean, even if you, like, even if you feel, even if you're one of those people that's like, oh, my vote doesn't count, what's the point, it's only one vote, and da 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 just do it. Yeah. Just do it, because why not? Like, you just, you don't know. That may or may not be true, but just do it just in case. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, with that, uh, we are going to dive into our What's Being Slept On segment. The A word. Dun-dun-dun. <laughs> so, I strongly suggest that you wake Okay, so now for our What's Being Slept On segment. Um, This week we are discussing abortion. And you may be wondering why. So a few things have been happening over the past few weeks that have um, led us to this topic. Um, One is the appointment of Justice Kavanaugh, who, um, as you may know, holds very conservative views about reproductive Right, um, and you know, has he has kind of sparked a lot of conversation around uh, Roe v. Wade and how safe it um, that that ruling is, and whether it could potentially be um, overturned or not. Um, and then also the release of the movie Gosnell, um, and we are going to give more detail about what that movie is, and we're going to try to do it without spoilers. Um, but I think it's regardless, it's still worth seeing. So I would highly encourage, I know it's in select, only in select theaters. So I would highly encourage you uh, to see this film. Um, and 
Yeah, because I'm not, so I'm not, of, I want to say first, like, I'm not of the mind that, I don't know, because this is a very, I don't know if this is everybody, but this is a very Baptist Christian approach to mm-hmm. information, mm-hmm. right, which is that, oh, no, like, I, I don't, I'm not going to ask those questions, because, like, I don't want to know, but it's like, how can you stand firmly in your quote-unquote faith in the religious, you know, sense, or or in the non-religious sense, in your opinion or your views, if you just refuse, if you have those views and those views are solid just because you refuse to engage or understand the other side. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that you should go see the movie um, and you can write us and mm-hmm. let us know what you think. Yes. Um, okay. So kind of want to give you some context about the current um, abortion debate. Um so, or I guess it's it's been current for a long time. <laughs> um, so Democrats and Republicans, or maybe I should say conservatives and liberals, diverge on this issue pretty heavily, or pretty starkly. Um, and I'm really conflicted about using these categories in the first place because I don't, I'm, I'm not a proponent of um, categories and boxing people in because I don't think it's accurate. Um, despite being a sociologist, I don't think that discrete categories accurately or fully represent individuals and their opinions and experiences. So you may have different views on many hot button issues like government support or welfare, the military, military spending and war, immigration, abortion, marriage, etc., etc. But because of how we vote, you're restricted to choosing either Democrat or Republican. And although you can technically be conservative and Democrat, or liberal mm-hmm. and Republican, um, we don't see that much because politicians kind of have to stand firmly on one side or the other to secure votes, which kind of forces people, which kind of forces voters to pick a side. Um, but that's, so that's another conversation, which I'm sure we'll talk about in the future. Um, but today in talking about abortion, um, we, conservatives are typically anti-abortion or pro-life. And liberals are usually for abortion or pro-choice. So we have the Supreme Court decision, Roe v. Wade, um, from the decision was made in 1973, uh, which deemed laws that criminalized or restricted access to abortions unconstitutional, making abortion legal. But now, with the appointment of Justice Kavanaugh, the possibility, or at least the conversation about the possibility of Roe v. Wade being overturned, has resurfaced um, and kind of reinvigorated a lot of the debate surrounding abortion and, you know, kind of our, like, what, what do we think about it? Do we, should we have, should it be this black and white? Should abortion just be legal or should we have certain restrictions and things like that? Um, so this week, I think it was October 10th or, no, October 12th, I think, um, a movie called Gosnell was released. And it's about the story of Dr. Kermit Gosnell, who's uh, quote unquote dangerous and unethical practices in his abortion clinic led to his conviction on murder and manslaughter charges, resulting in a life sentence in prison. So the subtitle for this film is um, The Trial of America's Biggest Serial Killer. Now, people are for sure going to have opinions about that Mm -hmm. and whether or not they think that that um, is an accurate subtitle or whether or not we should think about, um, a doctor who operates an abortion clinic being characterized in that way. Uh, and mm-hmm. so Zelma and I are going to get into our thoughts on it, mm-hmm. having both seen the movie, um, and 
how we felt about or how we thought about abortion before and how we think about it now. Um, we're going to try to give you a recap without spoilers. Yeah, um, although this is based on a true story, so yeah, yeah, yeah. if you look it up, yeah. you if you know of, about the case, then you yeah. can already it's already been spoiled. And then backdrop, he's a black doctor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah which yeah, yeah. I think, which, oh god, when he came on the screen, I was like, because again, like, okay, so I should say, but <laughs> I was telling some of this before we started recording is that my my boyfriend and I saw this by accident. We didn't we saw the trailer, but the trailer doesn't really give you very much information. And so I guess this I should actually have looked this up. Um, but I'm just like, how did I not know about this? Uh-huh. I did not. Yeah. Um, and I didn't know what the film was going to be about. So when they, when they started talking about it in the beginning and then he came on the screen, I was like, why did he have to be black? Why did yeah. he have to be black? <laughs> this yeah. is so awful. Um, but yeah, so yeah, he's a black doctor. He's older too i think at the time yeah. he was in the 60s or something like yeah. that yeah so he's an old um, black guy yeah so that kind of that also makes it kind of hard you know um but so i i went into this without any thoughts at all because i didn't know what it was about so i couldn't i, I was completely unbiased in it and i think that i have always considered myself to be pro-choice just i mean there are there are a few reasons but it's like whenever I was introduced to the abortion conversation, um, the people that were having the conversation and the people that were pro-choice were people that whose opinions I generally like I agreed with in a general sense. So obviously that's a guiding that's a guidepost, right? Like I mean, I grew up Baptist Christian, like definitely not my 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 uh, I guess my background growing up would lend to a pro-choice, um, I mean a pro-life view, um, but my political views, my social views lend to a pro-choice view Mm -hmm. and so i've never been i'm I'm not about policing women and their bodies and so the fact that that was fundamental to the pro-choice movement led me to opt into that movement it's like i don't want to police people's bodies i recognize that um there are a lot of different circumstances that might result in a woman needing or wanting an abortion Mm -hmm. um and I think that individuals should have autonomy. And so because there are so many different circumstances, I don't think it's right for a government official to play God um, or several government officials who, are yeah. who make up the Supreme Court to play God and to say, no, this person, um, you know, like, I don't know, I, like the, the, the like Catholic view that like, oh, if this person was raped or whatever, this like God knows all and all of that. It was meant so to be. It was, yeah, yeah, it was like this baby was meant to be born. I don't think that that's. Fair. Um, I don't think that like you. It's like you get to make that ruling and then you get to go home. You know, mm-hmm. and you do live your life. But all the millions of people that are affected by that decision, like you don't lose any sleep over that. You mm-hmm. know, and so I don't think that that's right. Um, uh, but now having seen this movie, mm-hmm. I've kind of started to rethink that or to actually put more thought into it because I had never put like it was like oh yeah I'm pro-choice period never really had to have an argument or a conversation or any kind of debate about it never put too much thought into it it was like this is this is you know how I think and I feel safe with that because mm-hmm. there's so many other people out there that identify the way that I do politically and socially 
that think the same way. So it's not like I was blended into the rain or the tide or whatever. Yeah. Pretty easy, you know? Yeah, and I think with this movie, what without spoiling too much, they focus more on, like, later abortions. And yeah. I think a lot of times we it's easier for us to think about abortions when they're, like, at five weeks, six yeah, weeks. Yeah. But here you're talking about, like, you know, six months. Yeah. And so I think yeah, that that... Should, the cutoff is, what, 25 weeks, I think? It's 20, 22, at 23. 23 weeks. At 23 weeks, it's too late. Yeah, 22 is, is the last week that you can have an abortion. Four and a half months. Yes, 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 yeah. yes. Four and a half months. And then at this clinic, um, he was doing abortions even later than that. Yes, yes. Yeah, so it's like, we, like Zoma's saying, the way that... As far as the what I've seen of the pro-choice movement, the way that it's framed typically is that, like, oh, you can, or even the way that, let's even talk about capitalism and the way that, um, the way that birth control and the way that um, pregnancy tests are pitched, right? It's like, oh, you can, you can find out at the first, the first yeah, sign. Yeah. So the first missed period, you yeah. can know whether or not you're pregnant and then you can move forward because all these things are tied together right and then you yeah. can move forward and you can get an abortion but nobody's talking about nobody's talking about all the constraints to abortion early on so for a lot of people they don't know that they're pregnant right away yeah some people have um irregular cycles and stuff like that yeah. and so it's like it may not even be something that stands out to you you yeah. may not or, or some people continue to have their cycle through pregnancy mm-hmm. which sounds terrible yeah <laughs> it sounds like so traumatizing but anyways um yeah, and so it's like there are a bunch of different factors that play into at what point, you know, someone can have an abortion. And so if you are someone that is pro-choice and you're thinking, like, are you equally as pro-choice when you think about someone who finds out very early on at three, four weeks or and, and uh, someone that doesn't get an abortion until they're four and a half months? Yeah, where, where you can say what has what happens at four and a half months. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think for well, first you can, you don't really can't technically know you're pregnant until five weeks. Mm-hmm. So like the okay. whole like missed preg- yeah, and I didn't either. The whole like missed pregnancy. Yeah. It's like for your first period. It's like now most people don't even think they might be until like the second mixed period, missed period. Um, but the reason why it's 22 weeks, it's because at 20 weeks, well, 18 to 20 weeks, you get the anomaly scan, which is where they do the full in-depth scan of the baby. They check the baby's brain, they check the baby's lung, the baby's heart, the legs, the arms, and that's where you can, um, check for deformities. Mm -hmm. So before, as early as like nine weeks, 10 weeks, 12 weeks, you can check check for um, any signs of developmental issues in terms of Down syndrome. You can check for spinal bifida. You can check for um, uh, some sort of disorder in terms of like with the XY chromosomes. But you can't tell if there's physical deformities until the baby's big enough for you to check. And that's not until weeks 18 to 20. And so that's why the law allows people to have elective abortions up to age 20, up to week 22, because by then you'd be able to know. And so those type of abortions are most likely, one, 
because you don't think that the child would survive due to the severe deformities mm-hmm. or two you don't want to continue yeah. with the pregnancy yeah. with a child who may not have may have like their arms and li- their arms and legs deformed mm-hmm. or may not have a fully developed brain um, so that's why um, the 22 week mark is where it is but you're right at that point you're like yeah. halfway done. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. is, I mean, if you see the movie, that's something that, that's one of the things that is addressed, you know, is like how, or not even addressed, but it kind of pushes you to, to think about is, you know, these things are not black and white. Like, mm-hmm. there's so much gray area, mm-hmm. but because of the way that the law is set up, it, it presents it as though it is black and white, as mm-hmm. though it's like, all abortions are bad. Yeah. Period. You know, or all abortions are good. Period. Yeah. You know, and we, uh, I don't know. I, I guess while we shouldn't make decisions on, um, based on a my necessarily based on solely the minority group, mm-hmm. all of these groups of people that access abortion are minorities. If we really are minority groups in and of themselves, if you think about it. So the reasons that, you know, um, some women may get abortions are probably different than the reasons that, you know, several other groups of women are getting abortions. But that does not mean that these groups are not, and their reasons are not valid, you mm-hmm. know? And I and it's like, I don't know. I, I just, I don't know. I guess maybe you can talk about as someone who was um, pretty conservative before, mm-hmm. like how you thought about it. Yeah. How you used to think about it. Yeah. So high school and the first half of college, I was pro-life. Mm-hmm. Um, like, really pro-life mm-hmm. in terms of, I, like, I was a Bush supporter because he, you know, I was against Al Gore because he, I was happy when Bush won. And I, like, looking back, I just, like, it's, I'm just, like, that's another, it seems like such a different life ago, mm-hmm. but... And it mostly was because of the pro-life uh, stance that he took. Um, and so I went to a Christian private university. And again, that was a really important. Um, I mean, even the way we took biology class. Like, so like in our biology class, they would say like it w- the conception would be framed as, which I still hold this view and I tell people about it and I, it gets a little cheesy but I still believe it, that, like, um, conception to me is a miracle because it the, the chance of a sperm and an egg needing to be fertilized is really low. Like, it doesn't occur, like, very often. It's actually really difficult for that to happen. And not only that, but for a child to survive all the way through, like, the first trimester and then the second trimester, like, there are so many things that can happen to that those cells that will keep them from growing and becoming a child. Mm -hmm. And so already, like, just a baby being, getting to week six is a miracle. Getting to week 12 is a miracle. And so that's, in my biology class, that's how they taught us. It was like, this is a miracle, and this is why it's a miracle. So it was kind of a mix of, like, science, but, like, you know, God is already creating this person with these cells because everything had to fall into place for it to happen. Um, And so I think I, you know, I started 
taking like sociology classes and with my sociology major came an understanding that I didn't like how it seemed to me that the people making decisions about abortion or about reproductive rights seemed to be people that weren't personally impacted. And so it was like, why are these men making decisions about it? And then, you know, why are they making decisions about birth control? Why are they making decisions about uh, abortion? So for me, it started with birth control. So when I wanted to get on birth, I didn't get on birth control until I was like 20. And when I wanted to get on birth control, just learning like, oh, it's not free. Like it, because it wasn't free until Affordable Care Act. But learning like, oh, it's not free. And oh, like my university's not going to give it to me. And just thinking like, wait, why are these white men at my university making decisions about my body? And then, you know, I was getting scholarships through lots of groups at my university. And we had to sign a uh, moral contract. And in that moral contract, it said we wouldn't engage in premarital sex. Oh, wow. What? Yeah. And so when I, I would be, and everyone on the board of trustees is like a white old man. And I was just thinking, like, why are these white old men interested if I'm having sex or not? Why are they interested in... You know that those are the only people that should be able to go to college, right? <laughs> people that are not having sex. And it's, it was... So that, I was just kind of like, I don't like this. And I started getting, like, really, like, um, just kind of frustrated with how... Um, because it was a Baptist university with just the Baptist stance on everything. And then just learning about, oh, I can't even get access to birth control because the whole, like, oh, just don't have sex thing. And so from there, I just started getting really, really frustrated and started getting really, started kind of questioning and thinking, like, maybe what I've been taught all along isn't the only way to think about things. And then I think that, you know, I started meeting people who told me they had abortions mm-hmm. and it didn't, and the so reasons, yeah. And the reasons why they had abortions. And so I knew a girl who had an abortion because she was a teenager mm-hmm. and it was, she didn't tell me she had an abortion until years later. And it was like, I understood, yes, at that time, you couldn't have this child with this guy who treated you like shit. Like, he wasn't going to help you. You're not even a citizen. You wouldn't get help. Like, just all these different, like, oh, yeah, that wouldn't, that wouldn't make sense for you to have. Like, the baby wouldn't be in the best possible environment. Now she has a child, and the now, like, it's, it's so different from when, from her experience then. And so just thinking at that and being like, okay, it's not just people who just the way that they taught me, which was women are careless. Women are just having sex with all these random people and they're just getting pregnant. And this is their form of birth control, which some people do use abortion as birth control, but they made it seem like every woman. And then it was just kind of like, well, why isn't there an emphasis on men and what men are doing and only just like women should protect their bodies And so a lot of these questions mixed in with my major in sociology, mixed in with my um, inclination to, like, always be, like, I think, like, really aggressive and really um, opinionated. And so I changed my stance um, at the later half of my um, college, uh, college years, and it was just because I was just kind of, like, I'm going to go, I'm no longer, 
I was just so the and even in the sorority I was in, we took a fucking chastity. Like, how pure were you? So you answered questions about like, have you ever done this? Have you ever done this? Have you ever done this? And depending on how much you've done, is how like moral or, or clean or pure you were. Like these purity tests, yeah. And that's what we did as an that's what we did as an activity. And it was just kind of like, what were some of these questions? Have you ever had oral? Have you ever given oral? Have you ever received oral? Have you ever? (laughs) And it was just kind of like shaming. And I realized, you know, people would tell tell the truth. I did because they made it seem like, oh, Jesus will know. But then it's just kind of well. Then it's just kind of like, then why do I have to write it down and put it in an envelope? Yeah. And so it was just kind of like it. It all that those things mixed together. So my experience with like a really, really, really strict religious um, institution really made me just kind of like want to run away from that as fast as I could. And so, and then since then, it was just like you, where I was like, oh, women's body, women's right to choose. All these women that I like are pro-life. And it seems really like, I mean, most academics are pro, I mean, sorry, most, yeah, pro-choice. It's hard to say this stuff over and over again. Yeah. So it's like. You and the way they frame it is like I'm yeah. anti-life yeah, because like, I'm pro-choice. Oh my God. Um, like, but like yeah. many academics are pro-choice yeah. and women that I admire are pro-choice. And I do think that it was a huge thing to get um, legislative action to um, kind of say like it's up to the woman because for a long time it wasn't up to women. But then with this movie, I think they they bring up questions that we don't want to ask ourselves about like, okay, given that abortions can be helpful to some people, what are the what should our limits be on these abortions? And so when I was to decide, yeah, and who gets to decide? And so when I was when I found out I was pregnant, I was six weeks pregnant and I like was so upset. I did not want to be pregnant and so before they did the ultrasound the nurse came in and said based on your reaction do you want to talk about you know other alternative um alternative decisions and I had always thought because I was pro-choice that I in my life at that point like was not in a place where I thought I, I should have a child like, my relationship wasn't where I wanted it to be. I was a student. I um, was not in, like, the best emotional place in my life. And I literally thought, like, this is going to ruin my life. I'm not going to be able to get my PhD. But I just, at that point, being a health researcher, like, I knew the child has, like, he has a heartbeat. And so I, I was just kind of like, I, I just can't. So I was like, no, so let's just look at the ultrasound. And so then I looked at the ultrasound, and of course, like, at that point, it's just a little blob. But when I heard the heartbeat, it was, like, totally different. I was like, oh, my gosh, there's, like, a little heart inside of me, and I'd have to, like, like kill the like, stop the heart. Like, that's death to me. Like, stopping a heart is, like, you're killing something. And so I was just like, no, I can't do it. And then, like, slowly, you know, you bond and, you know, you go to the doctor every every month. You see the baby get bigger. So by 22 weeks, um, I actually had my ultrasound really late. I had it at 23 weeks. 
um, as opposed to some women who have it at 18 weeks. Um, and I remember a lot of women were telling me, um, you know, in preparing for the ultrasound, because I was really nervous because I was like, I don't know how I'm going to feel about, because my partner's stance was, if there's an abnormality, we should get an abortion. And I didn't know how I felt. And so I just said, yeah. But in my head, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to feel. I don't know. And so a lot of women would tell me, you know, don't get pressured into keeping the baby if you find something because it really is about quality of life. It really is about like thinking about, you know, having to cater to a disability for the rest of your life. And I was just kind of like, you know, that may freak me out even more like, oh my gosh, like, you know, I I, I don't want to have to think about that. And so when I, I scheduled my ultrasound, it happened so late because my doctor was out of town and then I was out of town. The person on the phone was like, okay, we're scheduling you at 23 weeks. That means that you won't be able to terminate this pregnancy if you find out. So like on the phone, just telling me like, you might want to go somewhere else um, because by the time that we can fit you in, and that's only because that's when they could fit me in. And so I was just kind of like, for me, I was like, that's a sign. Maybe some other people would be like, uh, I don't know. But for me, I took that as a sign to be like, okay, then whatever the results are, this is just what I'm going to commit to this. Um, and then thankfully, everything was okay at the ultrasound. But I, I do remember thinking like, at that point, like at like the baby yawns, the baby dreams, the baby moves, the baby... Like, uh, it's, it's just like so many things that the baby already does where it's just kind of like, and then watching the movie of like these late term abortions, it's like, to me, I just, I don't know. It also shook my stance about like, maybe I'm not just all the way. I don't think that anybody, like, how could you be? Yeah. How could you be? And it's like, you know, that, that's my big beat with the movement is there isn't enough there isn't enough information being given yeah so like you know my sex ed during high school i mean i went to a really shitty high school <laughs> um my sex ed during high school was i mean i want to say two days in my health class mm. so it was a week but it was like you know the number of times that we met during oh, that week, yeah. i want to say it was like a tuesday thursday kind of thing and so it was like two class periods and they didn't talk about i, I mean i i barely remember it but I know I didn't know all the things that there were to know about contraception. I didn't know mm-hmm. how any of that stuff worked. All I knew about was condoms, and I'm sure that was from TV or, like, from <laughs> movies or something like that. Like, nobody ever talked to me about it. And so it's like you you know, you have, like, people that are, um, you know, and I don't want to make light of having an abortion. Or yeah, like, yeah, The impact yeah. that it has on the, on the parents, yeah. you know. Um, I, but people are getting abortions without even knowing what that entails, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's like, I think that, I think that we should know. I think that information is important. And I think not just for people that have abortions, but also people that may have not ever had one, but have to vote on it or have to have an opinion for political reasons, Yeah, you know? And I, so it's like before the fact that I had to learn, really learn about the intricacies of abortion from a movie at 27 years old. Yeah. And he's crazy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, I mean, it's like, I think it's it's unfair 
or I guess it's it's injustice to com- like push people to have opinions without being willing to give all the information. Yeah. Because we don't talk about the process. Uh-huh. We don't. We talk about. And so you kind of alluded to it, but basically what this movie does is it forces you to think about the baby mm-hmm. in a way that we are not taught to. You know, we only think about, like, it's framed as this is a, it's a woman's right to choose, a woman's right over her body, yeah. a woman's right, and it's like we treat the baby as though it's not a living thing yeah. that exists and that should, I mean, it's hard because it can't have an opinion, but... It probably would. Like if you asked, if you asked it, like yeah. you know, if it could communicate, like what would you choose? You know, life or death. You know. Yeah. Um. And so it's. I mean, it's really hard. It's really hard, but I think it's unfair. Just like I wouldn't want women who have an abortion or would have an abortion to be silenced. Um. I also wouldn't want people who had necessarily have opinions or thoughts about it to be silenced either. Yeah. Like, I don't think that people that are pro-life should have to just be quiet, you know, because it's like, oh, it's it's a woman's right. It's, you know, they're autonomous mm-hmm. and all this stuff. But it's like, we decided that babies are not autonomous. Yeah. We made that decision. Yeah. You know, like... And after, so it's like, before 22 weeks. Yeah, and it's like, who are... Yeah, and so it's like, after... So exa- exactly. Yeah. That, exactly. That sounds so ridiculous mm-hmm. that we can say... Okay, well, before 22 weeks, not on that kind of thing. Yeah. Like, who are we to make that decision? Mm -hmm. You know? And I guess that's where I'm struggling now, which is, again, why I don't like categories and why I don't like the way that our political system is set up, where you have to be one or the other. It's like, if I, like, even now, this, you know, my, my new, like, potentially pro-life stance is not going to lead to me voting for a Republican candidate. Yeah. yeah, Like, it's just not, you know? And so it's like, by default, by voting for this Democratic candidate, I'm also buying into Mm pro-choice, whether or not I agree with it, you know? Yeah. And it's just like, it's so hard and so unfair. Yeah, I definitely think that my new stance is, I think that I still believe that women should have a lot of say over their bodies. But as we were talking before, like, I also think that we should think more about the processes that we have in place. And I I don't have the answers. I don't know what that means. And I know that the 22 weeks is, like, because it's because of the scan. Like, that's when you can do the scan. That's when the baby's big enough to do it. Because I, I don't think, I think if the scan was done at, like, 12 weeks, then that yeah. would be our cutoff point. So maybe that should be the, so, because I think that, so, essentially what we're trying to get at is, like, because it's not black and white, we need to define yeah. the gray area. Yeah. So if it's, like, people can get abortion, if it's, if it's, people can't, if the ruling is, or the decision, people can get abortions, or people can't get abortions, we need to have some gray area, like, mm-hmm. certain caveats. People can get abortions. But only certain kinds of people, mm-hmm. or not certain kinds of people. That sounds a little crazy. Mm-hmm. Only like under certain circumstances mm-hmm. or certain conditions, people cannot get abortions with these exceptions. Because I, 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 you know, okay, this is where the woke ish, the ish comes in, <laughs> right? Because people, I saw. Okay, so I saw this. I saw this um, thing, this story that was circulating, this op-ed, 
And, you know, all these people are, I'm getting to a point where, like, I'm not, I'm a millennial, but I'm not one of the newest millennials, (laughs) you know? And so some of this stuff, it just pushes me to a point where it's like, damn, I'm not that woke. Like, I'm not that woke. Um, But, you know, like, a lot of people right now are not, uh, are not vaccinating their kids. Uh, yeah, right, yeah. and they're not vaccinating their kids because of the because they could potentially um, it, it's not proven for fact, but they, they suspect that it can lead to autism, and also because they're not vegan. Yeah, yeah, that's insane. Wait, who's not vegan? Vaccines aren't vegan. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah, see, that's wait, see, that's that's too, that's too California. <laughs> yeah, for yeah, me. yeah. I think even I was like, what? <laughs> um, yeah. Okay, so because it can potentially lead to autism. And so I saw the opinion piece that was basically like, how autism phobic, basically, Mm. do you have to be to Mm. say, I'm going to risk my child potentially getting some fatal virus because I want to avoid them potentially getting autism? Yeah. So it's like, yes, life-ending virus over potential autism. And I started thinking like, damn, like, like that... Like, that's a thing, right? And people, I mean, I'm sure that the way that parents think about it, like, they're, I'm not a parent, so I'm sure that the way that parents think about it is very, um, I, I could imagine it being very much like, I wouldn't be against, like, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't just completely just be done with my kid or not want my kid because they're autistic. But if I can help it, if I can help it, I want to have a kid that would be perceived in society as normal. Mm. You know, and I get that. It's like, you just want, you know, I'm struggling with my words right now. So I'm just going to say it. And for those that are listening, if y'all are woke than me, please don't judge. But basically, you want what's best for your kid, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you you think or you suspect that these these, um, vaccinations can potentially have detrimental effects on your kid, then you want to avoid that. Right. And so it's like, while I don't want to say that people like force people into having kids that have certain birth defects, um, I think that there should be a caveat for those people. You know, like if you if we're going to say no abortions. Period. Except for people that get to the. 22 week scan and then find out that their kid will be born with certain because certain defects do make it very difficult to function yeah. certain defects kids die at like five yeah or at birth or at birth and it's like do like is it fair to put you and your child through that your child through not being not terminating a pregnancy at four months and uh, have them live for five years in pain mm-hmm. and suffering. Like, I, it's like, I don't think that that's, I think that there should be something for those folks. And, or, and for women that are raped. Because, mm-hmm. like, you didn't, I mean, if we're going to say that you, by getting pregnant, you put yourself into a position, in this position, like, they did not. Yeah. 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 That's or, cool. like, if you're 13. Yeah, if you're 13. Yeah. Yeah, where it's like, you... You, I mean, maybe you put yourself in this position, but you don't have enough sense mm-hmm. to, like, no. Um, yeah. No, I, I I also, I think my my stance got more complicated watching yeah. this movie. So I'm not, like, like you said, I'm not going to be, like, okay, back on the, you know, conservative yeah, conservative train. train. 
but definitely kind of like, yeah, why aren't we asking these questions? And especially being pregnant, it's just a whole new experience of, okay, like this, this thing's definitely, he's definitely alive. Yeah. Like, and to use, yeah, and to use, yeah, yeah, and to use clinical terms to make it seem easier is not helpful. Yeah, like to refer to the the baby as a fetus or yeah, the vacuum or yeah, the referencing how they um, complete abortion, how they do abortions, which is like they evacuate they evacuate the baby from your womb. It's just kind of like if we if people are afraid that using the using different terms are going to change people's stances, then I don't like that yeah, either. It's like you're yeah. basically like you're you're it's manipulation. Yeah, it's like manipulating, and it's it's like we want to we're going to manipulate people. So that their emotions are not involved, but it's like you're this whole process is emotional. Yeah, yeah. Like they're gonna walk away from this clinic and be emotional. Like, yeah, yeah. It, you can't, you cannot keep emotion out of it. And so, I at least feel like if I feel like people should not be misled and manipulated into getting abortion, they should know what's gonna happen mm-hmm. to them, what's gonna happen to the baby that they're carrying. Yeah, you know, so that it's like you. I don't know. I just feel like that's that's such a big decision mm-hmm. that like you should have all the information we, w- we wouldn't allow people or we wouldn't be for people making other big decisions without all the information yeah you know, marriage job moving yeah. like all of these decisions it's like okay make sure you know all the information but then when it comes to abortion it's like eh, we're just gonna tell you some of it you know like, yeah and my feelings about my pregnancy have changed so yeah. if i now at seven months how I felt at six weeks I've just kind of like oh that's how I felt oh yeah that's that's really or even at four months it's just kind of like so looking back I'm like really glad that like my seven it's really glad my friend was there and I'm really glad that my initial reaction was like honestly my initial reaction was my mom would kill me if she ever found out that I had an abortion because um, she just really wants a grandchild and, uh, I would feel really, I, and I, and so that is what kept me, but like being really thankful now that I, I thought that because I honestly think for me in my situation, I would regret that decision for me. Yeah. And I know for some women, they don't regret that decision, but I think for other women like me who may look back and say, I don't know if what I did was the right thing because I was so emotional that day, then I think that we should think more about um, something that changes so many people's lives. Yeah. 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 Um, Okay. So, I mean, as you can see, like, like many other topics that are difficult, you know, it's it's really hard to come to – it's really hard to come to, to come to an opinion that's not that isn't complicated. Yeah, you know, especially when you have potentially thought one way, you know, for for most of your life. Um, and so, if any of y'all out there are kind of listening to us and being like, "Oh yeah, what do I think about this?" Like, mm-hmm. that's perfectly fine. Yeah, I mean, we luckily none of us are sitting on the Supreme Court, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. because I mean, there's that. I get to have my opinions, but I don't have to make decisions for other people. Yeah, um, but what we thought about, we're not the same people as the 70s. Yeah. So I feel like our generation, like, we deserve to renew this conversation and yeah. say, 
okay, given that Ebony and I are not for like making it illegal because people are still going to want to do this, what's the best way to do this where we're addressing a more complicated, now that we, science is advanced, now that we know more, now that women are just, just now that there's more, um, how do we want to approach this? Yeah. So. Which, yeah. We need, I mean, this is a different conversation. We need people that are not dinosaurs on yes. the Supreme Court. Like, yeah. The fact that some of those people were on, they, like, voted in the initial Roe v. Wade decision, like, that's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, okay, but that is going to wrap up um, our episode. So thank you so yes. much for listening. Yes. Um, if you have any thoughts, definitely feel free to share them with us. If you have any, um, you know, anything that you think that we should consider um, in this conversation or in in coming to our own, I don't know, deciding what our own feelings are about it, if there's some things that you want us to think about, feel free to share that with us. Yes, um, reach out at woke.ishpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at wokeishpodcast. Feel free to send us a message. Yeah. Um, Follow we, us on Twitter at yeah. wokeishtalk. Yes, and uh, we always try to give you little clips of what this week's topic will be. And so for all those of you who stay till the end, we hope we didn't scare you away yeah. with this abortion talk. But, See the movie. Yeah, but Ebony and I just thought it was really important, and especially because, you know, we're both really transparent about how we're not all in one way and all in another, and we both have different – we're both coming – at this from different backgrounds and different experiences. So definitely we want to hear what you guys have to say. Hopefully you guys are having conversations with your friends about this. But yes, like Ebony said, go watch the movie, see what you think, and we'll see you next time.